Draft, where ridership painfully embarrassing early work. From Chicago, I'm Robert Bruce Carter, writer, actor, and filmmaker. And from Berlin, my brother, Dave Carter. Hey, 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 this is Dave. I am a front-end developer in Berlin. That's my story. Joining us today is a special guest, my friend William. William, welcome to the show. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Hey, what's going on, man? Uh, oh, before before I uh, we start, um, you can subscribe to The Worst Draft on theworstdraft.com and follow us at The Worst Draft on Twitter or email us with all your questions at the info at, uh, sorry, at, at info at theworstdraft.com. Uh, Cool. So what's uh what's going on, William? What what are you up to? Well, right now I'm making a podcast with you. And it's coming to the end of our weekend and we're having some whiskey, which is uh, I think an important component of any podcasting. Absolutely. And uh Dave and I have known each other for two years now? Three years? I wonder when is our anniversary? Maybe, maybe three? Yeah, something like that. Time flies. Uh, but I've been in Berlin for five years. Nice. Came over for a girl, stayed for the stayed for the city. I'm the only nice I'm the only nice Jewish boy to go to Israel and meet a nice non Jewish German girl and then go to Germany from Israel. Were your uh, a, what did your parents say? What did your parents say about that? Were they worried? Oh, they're they're just thrilled that they weren't supporting me anymore. So they're <laughs> they're happy I'm paying my own rent. <laughs> Uh, so wait, what, uh, what yeah. happened? Uh, what happened to the girl? That why didn't that work out? Oh, we're going down that path. <laughs> well, it worked out for a long time. It worked out for four, about four of my five years. Um, True. And then you know, people, people change. People, uh, people go their separate ways. And uh, and and I have no other. I have no funny answer for that because it's not funny. Cause it's actually really sad. <laughs> but uh, off to a good start. No, we're off uh, to a great start. Is there um, the question? Keep those hard ones coming. Is there anything you want to? <laughs> is there anything you want to say to her before before we bring her out into the studio? <laughs> Wait, is she behind the door? She, she's in my apartment. <laughs> She's, she's been in Chicago all week. We didn't tell you, actually. So she's Dude, I, I get it. I get it. She's been in my apartment five minutes. I get it. I get why you broke up. Um, sorry. Um, so, okay. So, listen to this. What do you, uh, and uh, so you guys are friends there in Berlin. Uh, how did you, how did you meet? Do you work together or? Uh, no, we met through a mutual friend. Actually, the, the first time we met, so I worked with a, with a mutual friend of ours uh, at my last job. And, and he was like, hey, me and a couple friends are going to Poland for the weekend. Do you want to come? Like, yeah, I've never been to Poland. That sounds cool. And it's, it's, like, a, it's like, what, like an hour and a half? Yeah, not only Poland, Stettin. Yeah, which so, is a border town, right? It's it's this town that's like <laughs> like on the border, so it's it's like an hour and a half train ride, and we're like, yeah, we'll just go for for like Saturday night. I think it was. We got convinced by another friend of ours that this is the cool thing to do because it it totally makes sense to save fifty cents on cheaper beer by spending what sixty euros on train and hostel. Right, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so so four of us. Four guys went to to this town in Poland. I think I think we were there on a Saturday. It was a Saturday night, and everything closed at nine. It was it was like the weirdest because it's a town. It's like five hundred thousand people. It's a something. big city. It's like, like a big. It's Poland. a legit city. It's a, yeah, uh, but it's and, a legit city in Poland. 
Yeah, I mean, it was like, it was cool because we got there. It was like in the afternoon and we're drinking beer and eating pierogies and everything's dirt cheap. It's like, it's like 50 cents for a beer or something. I don't know. Maybe that's not true, but it was cheap. It felt cheap. Uh, Except for the aforementioned train. <laughs> right. I mean, once we were there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then like, like night, nighttime, I don't know, nine, ten o'clock or something. We're like, all right, let's go find a bar. And we walked all over the city we must have gone to like four or five bars or something and every bar there were there were like two sad people in the corner and no like nothing going on it was and then everything closed yeah and then we went back to the hostel but it was the hostling international hostel <laughs> where drinking is not allowed that's right we we were drunk and we went back to the hospital we had like i had like three beers in my jacket pocket or something <laughs> and we walked in and the guy at the desk <laughs> like immediately was like guys you can't have beer in here. I was like, what? What are you talking about? And he like walked over and he was like, give me the beers. Give them to me now. <laughs> and confiscated all of our beer. Yeah. Uh, what, why? It reminded me of my high school times. Why Why? Why are those hostling international hostels so bad? I, I hate them too. Like every time I've gone to them, they've been like the most boring places. Well, because they're youth hostels. They're not just hostels. They're specifically for youth. So they're supposed to be a safe environment for young, young, innocent minds who are probably doing God knows what worse than we ever would do. Right. Uh, I remember I went to a hosteling international in uh, in Salzburg 10 years ago when I was studying abroad and the the the, the lunch lady, <laughs> she freaked out because I, I toasted brown bread and apparently only the white bread is allowed to be toasted. <laughs> not the brown bread. Well, that's, that, that's like a rule in... In Salzburg or in... Uh, in Salz- <laughs> Apparently that's a rule in Salzburg, that, that brown bread is not to be toasted. Well, if you had read Lonely Planet, you would have known this. You know, I, I, don't, I don't read much. That's why I'm glad this is a podcast, no reading involved. Although I guess the reading is involved. There will be reading. <laughs> that's the whole point of this podcast. Yeah, so there will be reading. I hope you've done your homework. Uh, oh, boy. Okay, so yeah, you... And, you uh, right. Okay, so wait, wait, you guys met in Poland? Is that... I mean, we, well, we, met, I think we met on the train. We basically. met on the train, basically. Yeah. Uh, this is this guy, David. Like, oh, yeah. And um, yeah. actually, listeners, listeners of our podcast, uh, eagle-eared listeners, will remember that I mentioned having uh, 500 business cards for a business that that no longer exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was with Bill and and our other mutual friend, William. Uh, Whichever David knows uh, me as Bill, but but it was it was that that drunken night at a at a bar with nothing to do and no other people uh, that that we talked about this. That they presented their 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 business was it plan. It was he, it was it was that night, and we decided to to start a startup, which um, which never quite started up. Yeah, but we had the business cards. But we do have business cards and so. and a functioning app, which is yeah, more, which we, is we actually did, more than some stuff. That's true. I we, did, we did make something. Uh, it's on my LinkedIn. <laughs> it's on my LinkedIn. It must be legit because it's on my LinkedIn. Everything on LinkedIn is true. So <laughs> I mean, everything on a CV is of course true. true. Uh, that's when my mother endorsed me for my JavaScript <laughs> skills. I knew that was true. Uh, it's amazing your mother knows what JavaScript is. She doesn't. <laughs> hey, Sorry. Mom. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Maybe we should edit that out. Uh, she does listen to this, I think. <laughs> um, Hi, hey, Mrs. Carter. I so can't wait do to you, meet you someday. Do you, do you guys... Uh, uh, oh, okay. So, and then what do you what do, you do uh, in Berlin, like, for a living? For a living. I... I'm a photographer, videographer, an editor, and translator, and I do 
on occasion speaking and voiceover things with my voice because I've been told that I'm 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 quite good with the voice. That it's really coming through on this end. Uh, <laughs> Otherwise, that's a nice way of people saying you're loud. Please keep it down. <laughs> and I, and I, you have I, a lot of voice. For sure. I have a lot of voice. It's like a renewable resource. It's yeah. So are you you're booking? Um, so are these like voiceover gigs for like commercials and stuff? Well, in theory, it could be like that, but that would mean I was successful. Um, uh, I mean, I've done I've done podcasting of my own in the past, and I I've studied journalism, and I've done radio in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say of the three these like three core things I do, it's probably the smallest thing I do, but it is something I'm trying to build up more. Um, so to as again, so as to use my voice in a constructive way, not in a way that deafens people and makes them want to leave public places that I'm in, <laughs> which has happened before. I have many, many a story of nerfing people. <laughs> nerfing? Good, we can talk about that. But, yeah, uh, yeah. T- 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 sort of. This is the famous story. This is this is like this is my claim to fame in Berlin. <laughs> this is the story that everybody knows about me. It was I think three years ago. You weren't. We didn't know each other then. No, no. This, this, so like this is a great example. David didn't know me. But he knows this story. He didn't know me at the time. It was my birthday about three years ago, and it was a Saturday night, and we were bar hopping, and we had quite a bit to drink already, but that's sort of neither here nor there. And I had just shown a few of my friends the Aristocrats documentary, Mm. which I hope all of your listeners are aware of the Aristocrats, not the Aristocats. It's about the really dirty joke that all the comedians About the really dirty joke. And my friends with me at the bar were egging me on to tell the joke, and I didn't want to because it is quite an obscene joke. But as mentioned, we had a bit to drink, so I wasn't that hard to convince. And I started telling this joke. And of course, I'm, I'm speaking in English. And we're in a, it's Saturday night in a popular bar in a popular part of Berlin. And it's very crowded and completely full. And, and everybody's uh, very loud. And I'm just, of course, trying to keep above that. And I'm telling this joke. And we're sort of sitting in this half circle, so everyone's around me, and my behind me, I can't see him. I just hear over my shoulder a man say, excuse me, you're really nerfing me. <laughs> now, for our non-German speakers out there, nerfing is to bother, which in English you'd say you're getting on my nerves. Uh-huh. In English, you can't use it as a verb to nerf somebody, uh, but in German you can. And this fine gentleman <laughs> was getting his bit of his English mixed up. And uh, <laughs> he was this skinny little rat of a guy wearing a beret, which is already... So you know he's cool. Yeah, you know, he's totally cool. And I, I didn't quite know how to respond. I'm, I'm not such a confrontational guy. But our other friend is a bit of a confrontational guy, especially with some beer in him. And he stands up and he says, hey, that's my friend. And it's his birthday. <laughs> which is which is absolutely true. An incontrovertible argument. Yes. And later on, he said that the only reason he stood up and had the balls to say that was because he knew our other friend who's six feet tall and is a black belt in Taekwondo or one of these yeah, East Asian like that. martial arts was behind him to back him up if necessary. And when he said that, she looked over dumbfounded and said, I'm sorry, what happened? <laughs> Right. If if that if it had come to blows, he would have ducked and let the girl do all the fighting. That's that's well, I would too. I would. I mean, I'm sure she's a better fighter than I am. Absolutely. So that that so everyone knows me as the guy that nerfs people, um, and it's happened a few times. I've been nerfing people for a long time, actually, long before I came to Berlin. Did you put that on your business card? I should professional nerfer. 
That's the end of that story. <laughs> we can move the on. The end. We kept on drinking. And, uh, and then the year late, next year, the year after, we were again, birthday, bars, drinking. And I get into a fight with the same friend of mine about the difference between maple syrup and pancake syrup. And we almost get thrown out of the bar for being so loud. And that was really embarrassing because we're screaming in English in a bar you're, in Berlin very drunk about time. maple syrup and pancake syrup. <clears throat> so important. What, the difference being, what, like one's generic pancake syrup? Yeah, like one's corn syrup. Oh, right, one, right. One is maple from like a tree, and one came from, I don't know, a black woman named Aunt Jemima. <laughs> Slightly racist. Uh, you know? I think it comes from, from Canada. The pancake or the maple? Oh, the maple syrup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Or Vermont. Uh, yeah, we, we have friends in Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. That make it, no? yeah. They have Hold like a whole rig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, um,. <laughs> Edit, edit that out. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a nothing. <laughs> okay, at least, we, at least in your fine fine editing hands, Robert. <laughs> I'm I'm not editing anymore. The la- I tried to edit the last one and it took me four hours. Um, <laughs> that's nothing. Are you kidding I, me? That's nothing. I know, I know, that's nothing. But it was a lot to do on a Sunday. Um, so when I had other stuff to do. So this gonna be so instead of you spending four hours, you're gonna make your listeners spend four hours listening to this. <laughs> well, they're a very understanding group of people. What yeah, maybe they're a small but dedicated group. Um, yeah, we love you, listeners. So, do you? Um, so, this is kind of a show about writing. Do you do any writing now, or um, I do a lot more editing and translating. Mm-hmm. There's more work in that than original writing. People don't really want your writing, and as you're about to hear, there's a good reason why you don't want my original writing. Yeah. Um, but yes, when the opportunity arises, I do enjoy. I do enjoy the, the penning of a word or two. Ooh, but, but it's mostly the the on the already written editing and I've I've translated some books and edited some books and proofreading and things like that. Mm. Yeah, cool. So you're like kind of uh, entrepreneurially surviving in Ber- Berlin, is that right? Exactly. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm all freelance. Uh, you can check me out at wngluecraft.com. Touching. Uh, there, there will be an opportunity to plug at the end. Oh, uh, th- I just made one. This, this yeah. is not the plug section. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'll leave. I'm sorry. Uh, that's another hour of editing right there. Um, yeah. <laughs> God um, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm totally freelance. Um, making my way. Berlin's a good place to be a freelancer because it's an inexpensive city. So in slow months. You won't don't have to eat rice every night for dinner. Right. You have you haven't been evicted yet. I've not been evicted yet. That's that's good. I mean, for other reasons, people want to evict me, but not for financial reasons. So, but it's no, it, it, it's going very well. And uh, of course, there's a lot of competition. Well, there's not competition, but it's the fact that there are a lot of native English speakers in the city, and nobody wants to pay for things. So mm-hmm. people refuse native English speaker and communications professional. So they think, oh, you speak English, just do this. Yeah, but of course there is a difference between someone who actually knows where commas go and someone who just happened to be born in a country that speaks English. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't recognize that. And are you? Uh, so you broke up what, like a year ago, with your girlfriend? Yeah, a year and a half. We're looking at summer 2013 yeah. was not such a great summer for me. Have you have you been dating since then? Is this a date? Uh, sorry, Cheryl, or is this uh, is this what are we where are we? Gonna, I, I, I just want to know in Berlin. I want to know more about what it's like to date in Berlin. You really want to know if it's worth for you to come to Berlin or not. That's all. No, I mean, no I've been there. Uh, there, there are. Um, uh, I would like to live in Berlin, but I'm happy here. 
So <laughs> Chicago is a fantastic city. I love Chicago. Yeah, yeah. I lived in America. If I was going back to America, be on top yeah, of my list I, of places to go. Cause, I, uh, I agree with your with your statement in reverse. I think uh, <laughs> I like Chicago, but I but I want to stay here. Oh yeah, I didn't say I want to go. I said if I. Yeah, no. I, I mean, it's yeah. under coercion. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'll just say that in a city where many people think it's acceptable to roll into like a bar or a club in your pajamas or something equivalent to my grandmother's living room upholstery. Putting on a button-down shirt uh, gets you places. That's all I'm going to say about that, about the scene in Berlin. People people go out in their pajamas out there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because that's, you know, that's the cool thing to do. Huh. Not to not care, not give a shit. Yeah, I mean, the fashion, the fashion is mm, varied. I have to be careful what I say because my birthday gift to your girlfriend. I got to be very careful here <laughs> and not make any generalizations, sweeping generalizations. Yeah, but uh, so my 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 loving g- German girlfriend uh, occasionally is nerved by the fact that uh, God bless her, God bless her heart. Uh, no, but she sometimes we're hanging out with a bunch of Americans and or we just inevitably, other people, yeah, not only Americans, but but or or, or immigrants, foreigners, whatever, uh, refugees, um, and we start talking about Germany and Germans are like this and Germans do that mm-hmm. and. Uh, and William, perhaps, maybe a little more vocally than others. I don't know. Because I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to start a fight or anything. Uh, but but do you want? I mean, your your gift, William, to my girlfriend this past year. Yes. Was, well, Sylvie turned thirty this year. Right. Which is an important day. I assume I'll let you know next year. Mm-hmm. So my gift to Sylvie for her thirtieth birthday is one year of no saying nothing about Germany, in her presence or not. Okay, so you can't talk about Germany then? I, I can't. Not even like positive things like, wow, what a great economy. Can't say, can't even say that. So we'll, we'll have you on the show after her next birthday when the, yeah. when, the when it's over and then you can, you can yeah. tell us how you really feel. Yeah. Okay, so my next question is World War II. Discuss. Okay, <laughs> so about that. But you're going to have to leave it. It, was a, it. it made Steven Spielberg's career. Thank God for that. Okay. Where <laughs> would Steven Spielberg be without aliens and Nazis and Nazi aliens? Yeah. His two loves. <laughs> Fine line between love and obsession and subjecting the American people to 30 years of it. But that's a whole different podcast. Yeah, that's that's the movie podcast. We okay. haven't started that one yet. No. All right. So um, do you want to uh, do you want to do do you want to read something then? Oh, yeah. So, right. That's around the podcast to read stuff, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this po- it probably requires some background, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, you can you can set it up a bit for us. Yeah, so I'll set it up. So let's <laughs> let's get in our time machine. Go back like 10, 15 years to a previous version of myself that I tried to pretend was not me. A cooler, sexier. A, a cool, much cooler, sexier. We're, I, I told David, I'll let you up. I'll, I'll send you my passport photo and from that time. Mm-hmm. And because uh, my passport's almost expired. So we're going back 10 years. So I am um, had a particular understanding of how the universe worked or thought it worked. Um, mostly that one day the New York times would call me and make me them make me their bureau chief of the universe. Mm-hmm. Just waiting for that to happen. In the meantime, I would write frequently by which I mean weekly into my town's local paper, the Fairfield Minuteman, a fine publication if there ever was one good plug and essentially turned their letters to the editor section into my own personal op-ed section fashioning myself 
as one would Thomas Friedman of the New York Times. Basically, I'd read New York Times. They, I could do that at 17 or 18. And then would write frequently on oil prices or the pension benefit fund or uh, what we should do in Afghanistan or what's wrong with Israel. It's what most 17-year-olds yeah, are thinking of. Most 17, 18-year-olds are. I was, the, I was the kid on the bus. It's amazing I had friends. I was the kid on the bus before you could even drive yelling about gas prices as we passed the gas station. That was me, totally cool. Um, and it was, I was going through all my old stuff and it was, it was really difficult because there's a lot of gems, but this one I think really t- took the, uh, the cake for, for cringeworthy. So I was gonna read you just an excerpt because it, <laughs> as an indication of how well written it is. And by the way, this was published in the, in the, uh, in the letters to the editor section mm. as everything was because it's the letters to the editor section right next to like, I think, People should pick up their dog's poop, like that article, and then there'd be mine about the United Nations. Is it is it true that the Minuteman is the New York Times of Connecticut? Is it's the New York say? Times of Fairfield. Okay, okay. So there you have it. So this is very prestigious. This is very prestigious. Um, yeah. So I thought I would read an excerpt or or, or part of it, uh, which is also known as an excerpt. Um, and it's the title is fifteen forty six as in the United Nations Resolution 1546. Uh, obviously. Obviously. By William Glucroft. And, you know, David, Robert, feel free to chime in if you ever, if you really are stunned by any of the intellectual diamonds that I'm about to throw at you. Dateline, very important dateline, Fairfield, Connecticut, because all the important news is coming out of Fairfield at this time. So the dateline is very important. And it begins thusly. Suddenly, the United Nations is in vogue again. And with it. <laughs> really? We're already there? <laughs> Is it Vogue? In Vogue? <laughs> All right. So we got uh, one half a clause done. It's like Are a bad we? David Brooks impression. <laughs> yes, there we go. I mean, that's well. You'll see. My my politics is not so clear where I'm standing. I'm like somewhere. I'm like not quite anybody. Suddenly, the United Nations is vote again, and with it, so too is multilateralism, world opinions. No, world opinions. Sorry, and shockingly, even diplomacy. Parentheses. I vaguely remember the word burn. Right. <laughs> Double space. I was still double spacing my sentences back then mm-hmm. and using the Oxford comma. Our freedom fries and freedom toast are no more. And likewise, bratwurst and Russian dressing are constitutional again. <laughs> the political rift last year over Iraq seems to have been all but welded shut and apparently all in over a week's time. Let bygones be got bygones is the new dogma. <laughs> Okay. What, <laughs> wait, what? Sorry, what? What year is this again? This is like 2004. Okay, so right after we invaded Iraq. Yeah, well, like a year into the Iraq War. Okay. Basically. The rift is over. That's good. The rift is yeah, over. Yeah. Real cool. Bygones be bygones. The new dogma. And this sudden change in reality makes me wonder whether the people in the Bush administration, wait for it, are the same people who could not decide what part of the egg is the healthy part to eat. Topical. What? Very topical. What is that a reference to? <laughs> well, because, you know, is it the whites? Is it the yellow? Is it the white? Is it the yellow? You know, we can't make up our mind. Indecision. I'm talking about the indecisiveness of politics here. It's but a very important concept. Was there was there like a, a Bush era policy on what eggs, what part of the egg you should eat? There may have been. There were hate a lot. This is going back 10 years. You may have had a policy <laughs> like, on Okay, okay, go on. <laughs> Why such a grand change in heart among the world's puppeteers? <laughs> 
The 60th anniversary of D-Day made for a good beginning step towards reconciliation. The commemoration allowed all of us, all of us, to reflect when, I think I'm missing a preposition there, reflect when once upon a time, also known as 60 years ago, all of those who loved freedom were united against the common enemy of tyrannical evil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yet another example, albeit an abstract one, that demonstrates the continued power and relevance of World War II. So to your question about World War II, there's my answer. <laughs> the beginning of this week also marked the opening of the Group of Eight Summit, located on an exclusive island on the Georgia coast. Parentheses, keeping protesters out of sight is far more PC than killing them. Also, I'm not sure how often that happens. I don't know that protesters are usually killed at G8 meetings. Not, not usually. I mean, sometimes shit happens, but usually they're just ignored. I mean, I'm with you that it's not a good idea. Yeah, I'm against killing anyone, really. Uh, G8 meetings are wonderful times when world leaders can forget petty differences and rally behind the universal agreement of exploiting workers through globalization. <laughs> Hard to, hard to figure out where you stand on there. Covering uh, a lot of ground here. We're covering. A, I mean, we're starting. We're, we're, you know, Robert, that's a great way of putting it. We're covering like, a lot of ground. It's like every uh, every political opinion you have in one op-ed. <laughs> Keep in mind, this was every week for like three years. <laughs> it's 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 a little hard to suss out what exactly you're arguing for here. Um, I think it should be clear that. Um, tyrannical evil that we are should be united against was once once and now is once again obviously okay right I'm, I'm on board with that yeah yeah the final component that has healed the years long the years long transatlantic wound was the unanimous passing of United Nations Security Council here comes the title of the article resolution 1546 on June 8th callback Unanimous. Do my senses deceive me? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, the great rhetorician at work. (laughs) Honestly, this this article and all the others could have all had the same title. Why I was a virgin for so long. (laughs) That that title. (laughs) I bet you were patting yourself on the back when you wrote that. That you're like, I am, I am killing this. I'm telling you, Thomas Friedman is reading this and is impressed. Where do you think he got his ideas from? It wasn't. It wasn't him coming to me. It was my idea was flowing to him. Clearly, I mean, Fairfield to New York is not that far away. All these months, we have been told by the Bush administration that diplomacy does not work, that the United Nations is a dysfunctional body. But now everything we've been told to believe as true is crumbling beneath our feet, and nowhere solid is there to grab onto in which to steady ourselves. (laughs) That sentence is 90% prepositions. I I was really into doing everything possible to not have a preposition at the end of the sentence. Now, Robert, I think you're really going to appreciate this one. I am as a sheep without a shepherd, empty, lost, and confused. I am reaching for reasons that might explain this drastic change in opinion. That that sounds like you quoted from, like, my high school journal. (laughs) I was probably quoting from my high school journal, actually. You're you're trying to play, like, the, uh, the super knowledgeable worldly guy, and then... The metaphor you choose for yourself is a sheep without a shepherd, like basically the dumb animal that needs to be led 
to the other grassy <laughs> part of the water. hill. Well, I think that's very apt without me realizing that I was just kind of I was kind of picking up the paper and like reading the Bush administration's like daily press briefing and then like mm, it was a mashup. Like mashups that was like that would that, uh, this is a mashup. We didn't uh-huh. really have mashups back then, but this is this is a remix of other op-eds that yeah. you, that you read that day. <laughs> yeah. The best of William. The best of William, <laughs> otherwise known as the best oh, of everybody else. That classic sheep and shepherd metaphor he used in uh, April 2006. That was great. Yeah, remember that? <laughs> Yeah, that was. So Shane, you wonder why it hasn't been used more frequently since. I don't think I've ever heard that metaphor. Actually, that's, a that's, sheep being a shepherd, the shepherd, the sheep without a shepherd. That's really usually I never thought of. <laughs> yeah, well, usually people don't refer to themselves as sheep when they're trying to make a, like a great opinion. <laughs> you know, I think sheep get a bad rap. They're they're cute and cuddly and stare at you a long time. Um, can, please continue. This is really yeah. Good. Oh. I I hope you're enjoying yourself. I am reaching for reasons, reaching for reasons that may explain this drastic change in opinion. April Fool's Day has long since passed, so perhaps it is opposite day. (laughs) (laughs) This is also my level of, by the way, this is sarcasm. This is my level of ability to be humorous at this time in my life. I I think I'm being extremely witty here. I'm like, can you imagine like, like clean shaven, pubescent Billy? I was Billy then. <laughs> at my little my my two, circa 2003 iMac in my bedroom, just tapping away, thinking I'm just the wittiest <laughs> soul I, there is. I'm picturing you in front of a calendar that's open to April, and you're like, hmm, not April Fools. <laughs> when does opposite I'm, day fall? It's not on my calendar. Is it? Yeah. Could it be opposite just day? Me, yeah. <laughs> Me just leave. how can I how can I just add words and rhetorical jokes? Yeah. So friends, if you have forgotten the meaning of this fantastic day, ask any elementary school student. <laughs> oh, and then I use the all ever fancy semicolon. You know you're you know you mean business when you're using a semicolon. When you're splitting two independent clauses with a semicolon, not a period, you know your shit. Therefore, the UN remains to be as it has been always. And there is no need to worry. I don't know what that means. It, it remains as the, it always it remains is. remains to be as it has been always. It remains to be. Uh, well, obviously. Uh, <laughs> well, obviously that which has always been will therefore ipso facto remain to be as it has always been. What was your editing process like on these op-eds? It was extremely rigorous. Mm-hmm. It, it, it consisted of me and my delusions of grandeur. <laughs> Let me continue. President Bush, <clears throat> and here, here's where the politics really fall off the rails. President Bush is right in painting the overall war on terror in broad strokes of black and white. Terrorism is an extensive and systemic plague that must be fully eradicated by a unified free world, as was the approach to both fascism and communism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Real hardliner. I, I suddenly. I, I, I really, I really want a lot of friends. These are not the words of a sheep without a shepherd. That's true. That's true. However, while the ultimate goal of eliminating terrorism and all those who support it is rightly clear-cut and uncompromising, as, as the decade that has followed really shows how clear-cut it is, this means in which to reach this end must be flexible and open to suggestion. <laughs> That's not a sense. So, uncompromising, but... We're taking suggestions. Wait, in which to reach this end must yeah. be what? <laughs> Let's see. The, the goal, the goal. The, so the goal of the war on terror, if I understand ten ten year ago, Billy, 
the goal is clear cut and uncompromising, but the means in which to reach this end <laughs> must be flexible and open to suggestion. Okay, I'm with you there. Yeah, that's so we should kill them, but let's 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 discuss how we should kill them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there are many ways to to skin a cat or sheep, torture torture <laughs> a presu- probably innocent person. If a long-term international war on terror is to succeed, it probably shouldn't be called a war on terror. Oh, that's not what I wrote. Tactics must be developed to suit individual situations. By the way, I was teaching at West Point Academy at this time. (laughs) I wasn't sure if you're aware. Assistance from all nations must be encouraged and their input must be welcomed. Do you like that passive voice there? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Who's doing the welcoming, the encouraging, and the developing? I don't know. In contrast... To the president's fears, the United States could still maintain control over the war's status and progress, because that's really credit we want to take. We did that. (laughs) Hindsight makes this a bit... uh... And this is my lovely grouping of countries, even with France, Germany, and Russia participating. In fact, the U.S. is the only nation that could assume such a leadership role, as we are the only nation with the economic and strategic drive to accommodate such a role, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. naturally. Suck it, Russia. That's right. And economic powerhouse Germany. <laughs> Furthermore, allowing flexibility makes the war on terror easier. Because instead of one hand fighting off allies and the other fighting off terrorists, both hands could be employed for the, fo- for the more important use. <laughs> I think that, is that a masturbation? I, that maybe could be a masturbation plot. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> now we're coming to the, the last paragraph where I really, I think I really sum up what I'm not saying, saying, not saying, saying. <laughs> the Bush administration is making sure that everyone in the whole world knows how arduous it was to pass Resolution 1546. An unheard of four drafts were required. Here's my sarcasm again. To appease council members, negotiations went on between the major powers for hours on end. Wording was changed and no one got exactly what they wanted. This is diplomacy. Perhaps the Bush administration is unfamiliar with its process. Parentheses. Do we still have the State Department or is Colin Powell simply delusional? Oh, oh. from your stand up bit? I, I, I was doing stand up at this time. Fortunately, I don't remember any of it, and I don't think any videos survived. Certainly, diplomacy is difficult, requires massive amounts of time and effort, and is so much less fun than flattening countries. But the only casualty that results from the war of words that takes place in backrooms of the United Nations is ego. Took a long time to get to the verb and the subject of that clause. As opposed to the casualty that results from the war of bullets that takes place on battlefields. Which makes no sense because the people we would theoretically be facing on said battlefields are not the people we would be negotiating with in the back rooms of the United Nations. So either way, that doesn't really matter. No, but I, I think I think as a whole, this is a very swaying, moving uh, rhetorical piece. I mean, you saw what happened to American foreign policy after this was published. Huge mm-hmm. shift. Mm-hmm. Huge shift. I was. This was a hugely influential uh, piece of writing. In the first film, Minute Man. And it went on like this every week, a different article in the same vein. Every week. To the point that the paper actually did a feature on, on me and another guy in my grade who was coming from the right wing perspective. Although I'm not quite sure what wing this article is in. <laughs> You called President Bush's stance on war on terror black and white and said that we should. And that's a good thing. I mean, you're not the most leftist. uh, No, no. 
It was, I was really taking, see in high school, you know, in most, most high schoolers and teenagers are hell bent on rebellion against the system. Then the establishment, I was hell bent on rebelling against rebellion. So I would do the opposite of whatever everyone else who was doing the opposite of the norm was, which means I was just doing the norm. That was my, that was my, that was my, my MO. I really, I thought that would, mental gymnastics, I thought that would win me girls. You know, I'm going to be the different one because that's what girls want in high school. They did, want the different, the different one. When, when did you lose your virginity? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, the, fir- the first time? That's okay. it. What do you mean the first Yeah, the only, the, the one time. It's a joke. Uh, sometime <laughs> in college. Okay. So <laughs> is that when doing your PhD or that was actually with a girl who was impressed by the whole weird, awkward, not normal, rebelling, rebelling thing. That's the thing. You get to college and like you can kind of pull like you can kind of pull this stuff off. And like some people will think that you're really smart because you talk this way. Yeah, it's not, it somehow worked. I don't know. She was a year older than me. I was in her advanced English class because clearly you can see why I deserve to be in an advanced English class with work, with writing like this. It's it's true though. This in high school probably doesn't win a lot of friends. Uh, no, no. But but yeah, in college you can find. I mean, this this can make you cool, right? I mean, you can like you can be at a party with with you can have fun and people people are all buying into this. Kind yeah, of and I can absolutely um, you know plug. Hey, um, you know that I was getting published weekly in the letters to the editor section of my local town paper. That I feel like dropping the letters to editor part might actually help your chances to get laid. Yeah, I wasn't so smart back then. I love to. I, I'd love to talk to the editor uh, who was getting... You can't. Who's Gretchen getting. Webster is her name. She was really lovely. I don't know if she's still working for them, but she's a, you can send a, a, an email find out. They'll, they'll remember me. Oh, they'll definitely remember me. I mean, were they getting, like, they're, like, not getting any letters to the editor except for yours, and they're like, wow. Oh, no, no, no. Like I said, it would be like, like, pick up your dog's poop, or I disagree with the first selectman on his decision to sell ice cream past November, or the rotary meeting from Tuesday was uh, a bit boring, and then they'd be like, resolution 1546 is good. <laughs> how, how big is Fairfield? 60,000 people, and it's the okay. New York metropolitan area. So it's part of a very, itself is a sizable town. Right. I mean, the, the Fairfield Miniman, is it? It's, yes. It's, well, I mean, they had two, da- there, there's actually, no, I think there's three da- There's three weekly uh, papers now in that town. There's the Fairfield Miniman, the Fairfield Citizen News, and the Fairfield Sun, wow. which is a broadsheet. Okay. Well, this is gripping. Um, You don't like like to have a discussion on the difference between tabloid and broadsheet uh, layout papers? Did did anyone ever, like, respond to these? Like, write in uh, letters? Oh, sure. I mean, there's always that crackpot in town. Oh, wait, that was me. I was too too young to be a crackpot in town. Yeah, people people were sometimes impressed. You know, who's this uh, wunderkind who's uh, writing about nonsense? (laughs) Who is this Wunderkind? Wunderkind. Uh, there's that word in English, right? The kids the in America are so smart. The wunderkind. I think we, yeah, wunderkind. Yeah, we say wunderkind, I guess. The wunderkind. 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 The wunderkind. The wunderkindchen. Who is this wunderkind? Mine is also wunderkindchen. All right. Well, uh, I think we're gonna. Is chin the D or does? <laughs> German grammar questions are, are that's gripping. We should do a whole podcast on German grammar questions. 
So, um, so that was my life. Um, and I was also, you know, there was, this was also my high school job. I, I legitimately was also freelance photographer, freelance photographer for these local papers and was making money from that. This was all just, this was just a sideshow. This, uh, this is just icing on the cake. But my job was to be, a, you'd think there's a conflict of interest there, actually. You know, to be in the letter to the editor section with such strong opinions about absolutely nothing and then also be photographing for them. That's quite a risky place to be. I'm, I'm sure their, their editors had many sleepless nights over this. <laughs> they did. They did. They did. Yeah, shouldn't there, there should be some kind of Chinese wall between the freelance photographer and the people who write letters to the <laughs> we editor? Didn't, we, didn't, we didn't have a lot of Chinese people in our town. <laughs> That's a joke. I get it. Um, <laughs> That's some. That is some gripping commentary on the socioeconomic situation of Fairfield, Connecticut. <laughs> All right. In conclusion, <laughs> we're going to wrap it up there. <laughs> no, that was a that was that was really entertaining. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Like I said, there's lots more of that that none of you will ever see unless you go to Fairfield and go through the archives. I'm sure you can pick them out or go to my bedroom closet in my parents' house. And there's a whole crate full of everything that's ever I've ever written. Uh, we will post uh, William's address on the website um, yes. if you want to go to his it's closet. 75 Sycamore Lane. <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, uh, William, do you, do you have anything that you want to plug before we end here? I'm going to plug my website, which is WNGlucroft.com, which if you want to know how to spell, you should go to WorstDraft.com and see my name there. It's TheWorstDraft.com. TheWorstDraft.com. Sorry, I misplugged your own plug. Um, and on Twitter, I'm Berlin Bike Blog because I'm also a nerdy cyclist. And that's that's it, you know. Come over to Berlin and say hi sometime. I'm. I promise we won't nerf you. I will. Nice. I uh, well, I was just there in September. Um, yeah. No, no, I wasn't inviting you, Robert. I don't want you to come. I was inviting just your general audience. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. Dave, Dave was this the guy that you said that you didn't want me to meet? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that's how you know that he truly loves you as a, as a brother <laughs> to keep to keep me away from you. This is dangerous enough through the microphone. And uh, and Dave, do you have anything that you want to plug? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Dave Zach, D-A-V-E-Z-A-T-C-H. You can go to my website, Carter.io. I didn't know about that website. Yeah, check it out. I don't know when the last time I updated it was. <laughs> That's a great plug. Go to my website. I don't there, update it there's ever. A, there's a couple fun things on there. Click around. There's a section called Playground. There's even a game on there. It's fun. Uh, yeah. Check me out. Okay. And uh, Bob? Uh, yeah, cool. Uh, who, I'm not Bob anymore. Um, <laughs> but aren't you Bob Zatch? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So on Twitter, I'm, I'm, I'm Bob Zatch, B-O-B-Z-A-T-C-H. And my website is robertbrucecarter.org. And you can see me tonight and the next two Sundays at the Annoyance Theater in Chicago in a big whore in a small town. Yeah, are, congratulations. Are you, are you the whore? Uh, thank you. Uh, no, I play a Mexican bandido. I bet you fit well. And and you wrote it, no? Am I am I wrong? I did, yeah. I wrote it. I wrote it and I'm in it. Uh and wow. it's really funny. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And and I was gonna say that I follow both of you on Twitter and find your tweets gripping. Oh, what? 
and would recommend <laughs> recommend all of your listeners to follow follow you. Zatches. Thank you. thank you. Well, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Thank you, everyone. Um, especially you, William. Thanks for reading. That was very brave. My 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 pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show. Um, my, my, it's wonder. I'll drink David's whiskey anytime. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so uh, review us online. Leave, leave, leave a review on iTunes. Check us out at theworstdraft.com or email us at info at theworstdraft. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.